The following is a sermon from Pastor David Salinas of Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. The Bible is alive. It speaks to you. The Bible has feet. It runs after me. The Bible has hands, and it lays hold of me. I have become convicted of the testimony of the Holy Scriptures, and my conscience, in part my very self, is held captive to the Word of God. Martin Luther. This month, 500 years ago, began the movement in human history, God's movement in human history, that we call the Reformation. And when we, when we look at this, this thing called the Reformation, one thing becomes very clear. This movement was not a political movement. It was not a social movement. It wasn't even a church movement. And by that I mean Martin Luther did not break from the Catholic Church because he wanted to start his own religion. Martin Luther Ministries. The Reformation was a profoundly practical and personal movement. It is about one Christian man seeking to find peace with God, ultimate meaning in life and and for what we have here and favor with his creator, finding that in the Bible, in God's word, and in the joy of that discovery, just, just sharing it with anybody and everybody who would give him an ear and listen to it. You know what we might say? We might say the Reformation is the profound saving impact of God's word in the human life. The Reformation is about the word. The word. The word. I can only imagine, and speaking now to some of you who were here when that happened, I can only imagine what it must have been like and how sad it must have been to look out west over Queens at the setting sun and not seeing those towers defining the landscape of New York City anymore. I can tell you how sad it is for me personally to look out over the the skyline, the landscape of Christianity in America, and not seeing this tower that defines Lutheranism standing tall. What what I mean is is that for, for far too many churches and far too many Christians, It really isn't anymore so much about the word, the word, the word, as it is about maybe more social or political actions. For far too many people, it's about, well, let's set aside differences in teaching and doctrine and really work hard to make this world a better place, even though this world in which we live is a perishing world. And our our highest calling as the people of God is to do our best to rescue this world through the very word that has been handed down to us. Well, I'm going to tell you this. The rock man, the Apostle Peter, on this Reformation month, 
He is going to fortify this tower among us, and he will not let it go down. In a letter that is as beautiful and as captivating as any writing in the New Testament, and that played such a key role in the Reformation with, with the teachings and, and the pictures that Luther brought out of it, the Apostle Peter is going to show us the absolute profound relevance of the Word of God in our life, so, so that our own hearts well up with this profound alleluia of, of Luther's to cherish this word and, and, and to celebrate it and to crave it all the more. And that's my aim. That's my aim for us this morning. That's going to be our aim for us this month, is really to take us back to this beautiful, beautiful treasure of the word of God that we have in First Peter. Mine, it's treasures of the Reformation that have been brought to us and spark in our hearts a profound alleluia. And so, dear people of God, dear children of the Reformation, please open your worship folders. And I want you to see this today. This is what I want you to see. How profound, how profoundly the enduring word of God reforms our love. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever, and this is the word that was preached to you. See what I mean? As, as like beautifully and clearly as any place in all of the Bible, Peter, in these words, he sparks this profound relevance of the Word of God in the heart and life and mind of the Christian person. And what is it? What is that connection between the Word of God, between faith and the life of the Christian? What is to take place in the hearts of those people who, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have accepted that call of the Holy Spirit to believe the gospel. What, what, is, what is our life to be like? What are we to do? The answer is, we are to love. We are to love one another in the church as God loves us. And by virtue of that, honor our Creator. Well, Peter... I mean, that means many things, but, but there's three things that I want you to really focus on when we talk about this love that is an imitation of, of God's love. In the first place, our love for one another right here in church, and I mean look around you at everybody here in church, our love for one another here is to be real and, and, and is to be genuine and selfless. Because that's God's love for us. His love is as real and as genuine as it gets, and it is as selfless as it gets. He doesn't love just to get something in return. He loves because he is only out to give. Peter, said, Peter says it here so beautifully. Have sincere love for one another. I, I love the original picture of that word sincere. You know what the word sincere means? From the Latin word, it's actually taken from two words. Seen, without, sera, which means wax. So it is a love without wax. And it's that in the ancient times people who were selling clay pots to try and make them look new, they would cake them with wax to make them appear like they were whole and complete. And so the only way that you could tell if those pots were whole and complete and didn't have any wax to them was to hold up that pot to the light and see if any of the light shone through. Then you could tell if it was indeed sincera, sincere, 
without wax. That is how our love is to, is to be, without wax. What does that mean? That means that we when come here in church, and when we greet each other in church, and when we smile at one another, that the love that is sincere, and that we not then go home and talk bad about anybody else in church, or about the pastors, or about the leaders here in our congregation. A sincere love, a love that is not hypocritical, is a love that, that does not imitate the world. What happens out in the world? The world gives you something because what? It wants something back in return. And when your purpose is done, when you can't meet that purpose, they're done with you. Our love in church is to be without wax at all. In the second place, our love as Christian people is to be one that is in imitation of that great word that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle John to write when he said, God so loved the world. And the word for love in that verse was agape. And agape love, when we look at the way that God demonstrates that in the gift of his son, is this, this completely other-centered, where, where, the, where God is focused on the well-being of someone who is not named him. And, and, and then the love is to be unconditional, as Pastor Tim said beautifully last, last week, that God loves us not because he first does a background check and, and makes sure that we maintain a certain level of credit or a certain level in, in the bank account, but he loves us unconditionally. In fact, in fact, when we give him no reason to love us, he still loves us anyway. Love for one another is to be a sacrificial love that imitates the great sacrifice of Christ. And this whole business of forgiveness that we've been talking about this morning just demonstrates and gives us an opportunity to demonstrate that agape. Because yes, it is a hard love. It is a love that takes place mainly in the will and not in the emotions. And so this forgiveness, this forgiving other people is a beautiful example of that. When do you need to forgive somebody? Well, when they've hurt you. And very often, the people that are going to hurt you are going to be the ones that are closest to you. They're going to be the ones that are closest, the members of your family, and they're going to be the ones that are closest to you here in church. Those are the ones that are going to wound you the most and that are going to hurt the deepest. And even though your heart is hurting, and even though you are angry, you determine not to exact payback. You determine, I'm going to pray for that person. You determine... When that opportunity arrives, Lord God, give me the opportunity to demonstrate this love by showing kindness and helping this person who has wounded me. And so, and so can you see that agape in there? Because it's this love that is focused only on the well-being of that other person without regard to yourself. You see how it is that unconditional love where you love somebody not on the condition of the good things that they've done, but in spite of the bad things that they've done to you? It is a love that is sacrificial, because when we forgive one another, in a way, we are paying for that person's sin against us. The pain that we feel is the cost of the hurt that they have caused, and we bear that ourselves and do not place it upon their shoulders and punish them in return. That is agape. In the third place, our love, says Peter, is to go all out for one another. See that word where he says, love one another deeply? See where it says, have sincere love for one another, love one another deeply? That word deeply in ancient Greek was an athletic term. It was basically, it was basically this, going to muscle failure when you're lifting weights. So when you're lifting weights and you're doing rep after rep after rep, you get to that one rep where you can't just push it anymore and you're done. That's that's the kind of love that we are to have for one another, a love that stretches itself, that pushes itself to its absolute maximum limit. 
So to sum it all up, the profound relevance of God's word in our life, a word that was delivered to us through the Reformation, is that we are to love each other here in church like that. Woo! Like that. A love that is without wax. A love that is unconditional and sacrificial and centered on the other person, agape, a love that pushes itself to the limit. Well, I don't know about you, but I know with my own heart that when I look at that, what God demands and calls for me here in his word and what actually flows out of me in daily life, the two sometimes near the twain shall meet. They are very far apart. And, and I know, I know that every single heart here has reason to cry out, Lord, forgive my flimsy, frail love. Love never fails. But my goodness, I fail to love you, and because I do, my love often does not look like your love for me. And you know, frankly, Lord, sometimes, sometimes I don't even feel like I really want to love like you because it's too hard. It's too tough. Please forgive me. Well, this is where I just want to place before you again this royal majesty of the word that has been delivered to us through the Reformation. Because... Because here we see how, how the gift that God has given us through Martin Luther and the Reformation has purified and cleansed us of our frail and faulty love and empowers us to love in the ways that God calls us to love. Look at verse 22 again with me here. Peter says it so clearly. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers. That right there says it all. It says that the word of God that carried within it this creative power and capacity to enable us to say yes to God when he called us to faith in Jesus, that that creative power and energy in the word of God carries simultaneously with it a purifying power and effect. And so this is what happens. That, that God, through his word, creates faith in our hearts, and by that very faith in our hearts, he cleanses us. He bleaches us completely of all that is wrong with us, including our love, so that we stand as holy and as beautiful and as righteous as the Son of God himself. In fact, through this very word, the Lord Jesus would come to you and to me today, and he would say this. He would say what he told his disciples one time. He would say this. You, all of you, including your love that is stained with so much that is wrong, is pure and it is clean as I am and as my love is because of the word that has been spoken to you. Our love has been purified by nothing less than the blood of the Lamb of God. And that purifying power has this, this effect that it just causes, it just produces this fruit of love for one another. Peter, when he said... You've been purified as you've obeyed the truth so that you have sincere love for one another. And by that, he means that our sincere love is just a result. It's a natural fruit of the word of God and the purification that has come to us through that word, through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And, and then Peter encourages us all the more. And, and, he, and he tells us this. He says this. He says, you can love like God loves. You can do this. This is not too hard for you. And this is not above you because of the word that was spoken to you. And he brings out this beautiful picture of a seed. And of course, a seed has tremendous life in it, right? I mean, it doesn't look like much, but you put that seed in the ground, you water it, and it will produce fruit and, and maybe even some beautiful and majestic trees. 
What has been planted is you, in you is an even more powerful seed. Peter calls it an imperishable seed. Let me ask you, what is more powerful than that which can stave off death and live forever? That was, is what has been planted in you. And so you and your love are that new and that powerful. An anecdote from the 1900s maybe illustrates this whole relevance and this connection between the Word of God and our hearts and our relationships and our love. So three stories up on a scaffolding was a building engineer, and he lost his balance and plummeted to the ground. Beneath him was a worker, and he saw this man falling, but he didn't jump out of the way. He stayed there and embraced the full brunt of that collision. Now, the engineer happened to escape with relatively minor injuries, but that worker had almost every bone in his body broken. And even after he healed from that impact, he was crippled for the rest of his life. Years later, a reporter asked that, that day laborer how the engineer that fell on top of him had treated him. And he said, well, the man gave me half, his, half of what he owns, and he looks after me every single day, and he doesn't miss an opportunity to, to thank me and to remember that act of love that, that was demonstrated. Through the word of God that has been given to us through the Reformation, each and every one of us have been saved from our tremendous fall. And this word empowers us all to love the one who took the full brunt of our fall. May this produce in the hearts of each one of us a profound alleluia. People of sure foundation, I say love each other. Love one another as God loves you. Look around and let your love be sincere. Look for each other, out for each other and attend to each other's needs. Be patient with one another and understand one another and forgive each other just as in Christ God has forgiven you. And do not miss the opportunities that you have to encourage one another, especially by gathering here. Never get in the bad habit. Never get in the bad habit of what that, the writer to the Hebrews says of giving up meeting together around God's word. But come all the more and mutually encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. And through this ever-reforming love in our hearts through the enduring word of God, may the daily shout of your heart and soul Alleluia. Alleluia.